if I could teach people this freedom that I am feeling that uh, that nothing is falling apart for you everything is always falling together and you're exactly where you need to be like you don't need to do more or do less or be more or be less or worry or fear or any of that you you just get to be free like you got you get to all the pain in your life you get to just accept it and love it because it's exactly what needed to happen for you yeah you can't sit and be like Oh, if I had done this this way, no, you did that exactly, exactly how you had to do it. Right. I've been so much in my head about this and I've right. been sick. I've made myself sick to my stomach. Yes. With, with thoughts of, I wish I could have done things differently. Oh my yep. God, what's going to happen in the future? Like, like being free from that is, is such a beautiful thing. Welcome to A Conscious Way Forward, a podcast about healing, reimagining leadership, and reinventing education. If you're a seeker, changemaker, or dreamer, you're in the right place. I'm your host, David K. Richards, and I'm on a mission to help individuals rise in consciousness and usher in a new paradigm of a more equitable and just global society. As an educator, founder and CEO, dadpreneur, coach, and ambassador for change, I share my conscious journey through real, raw, and relatable stories while engaging in conversations with a diverse group of guests. I discuss timeless wisdom teachings and how they've helped me navigate life, leadership, parenting, and heal my traumatic childhood wounds. If you're ready to come home to your soul's purpose, co-create a more equitable world, dream, act, and heal forward together, then please continue to listen. My interview today is with Nafshin Luhar, who is a transformational speaker, healer, creator, and coach. She's also a dear friend of my family, and as a gifted artist and teacher, she holds a special place in the heart of my seven-year-old daughter, Ella, who, as a lover of color, we suspect may be an artist like Nafshin. Nafshin's overcome molestation, obesity, body shaming, and cancer. Yet she views all of these experiences as powerful gifts that have helped her see light through her pain. In the words of Rumi, one of Nafshin's greatest spiritual teachers, the wound is where the light enters you. She aspires to travel the world to collect stories of people who have, like her, overcome adversity and to spread her message of embracing our pain as our greatest power, finding freedom within and connecting with our inner light so we can illuminate the path for others. This was a powerful conversation with a woman who is wise and vibrant, grounded and soulful. Let's dive in. I wanted just before I start talking about you, I wanted to share how we met. And I think it's a really cool story because when you start really doing the work on yourself and clearing up your inner landscape and really start to ask for the right people to be delivered to your life. <laughs> I'm going to say that I was the right person that was delivered to her life. Oh. No, but like <laughs> in the law of attraction, you, we, I went and joined a Toastmasters group just to practice speaking. And this wonderful woman gave this amazing speech and I wrote her a note and I said, I have to talk to you more. And that wonderful woman was not Sheen. And she shared this beautiful, vulnerable, open speech about her life. And I just felt the energy. I felt the light her light shining and I was like I have to get to know this person and now we've become besties and that was about a year ago and I'm lucky enough to have 
one of these amazing friends actually in the town I live in, because most of them are in other countries and other cities. So it's really great to know Nafshin. And we just impromptu kind of decided last week when we were talking that we need to go on together. And I wanted to, I want to share her story. I want to help her shine her light because she's beacon of hope and an inspiration for so many people. So with that introduction, Nafshin, no pressure. <laughs> Welcome. And I'd love just to hear kind of a little bit about yourself and kind of introduce yourself to the anyone who's listening. Thank you so much, David, for having me. Yes, it's been yes. absolutely amazing meeting you. I, I feel like I always tell you, you're like this brother that who annoys me, who I can annoy. <laughs> <laughs> Except I think you do more of the annoying. But um, <laughs> but yeah, it's been it's been so amazing uh, meeting you and. Uh, it, it was so wonderful that we were in, in alignment and our stories matched so much. And um, it was such an instantaneous, effortless friendship. So I really, really appreciate that. And I'm learning to realize that there's so many other levels as to why that we connected. And as I'm going through my journey of ascension and evolution and work on myself, I feel like you've already gone through that. So I can like really learn from your wisdom in that process. So thank you for shining your light on me. Um, Thank you. A little bit about my journey. Uh, I was born and raised in Kenya in um, a very reserved Indian Muslim home. I went through a lot of molestation as a child for about eight years by members not living in my immediate household. And as a result, I gained a lot of weight. Uh, I was had a lot of learning disabilities. I constantly fought for attention from my parents. I had to do a lot to um, to feel heard and validated as a child. And um, then as I got into my teenage years, I, you know, gained, again, um, the obesity was a, a way of me protecting myself from the abuse. And I uh, started to hate my body. So I turned to self-loathing as a way to feel pain on the outside of my body as opposed to the inside. And um, we didn't have really much access to uh, drugs of any kind there because my my home was so reserved. So food was my only addiction and that became my choice of drug. As I grew older, you know, my dad passed when I was 18, we came here and the standards of beauty in the Indian Muslim culture are very, very broken. You're only beautiful if you're white, light-skinned or if you're of a right-sized body. And I was always told that I would never get married if I don't lose weight or I wasn't accepted for myself and I was made fun of and looked down upon also because I wasn't the smartest kid in the family and my sisters were. So I grew up in a very, uh, in, in a place where self-esteem was non-existent and I had no, no self-worth at all. And, you know, losing my dad, he was, he was like a best friend and that was very difficult as well. And as I moved here, I ended up with my mom and you know I'm still currently living with her which is an which is an absolute gift but um, I was doing a double major in college and my weight rose to about 350 pounds and um, and finally I decided that at, at some point there was a time that I had to start taking care of myself but I really didn't know how to do it from the inside I met an amazing trainer who helped me through this journey and um, then I got, then I was diagnosed with uterine cancer. Before that, I went through many obstacles and injuries and, and, and accidents to my physical body. 
but when I got cancer, that was my 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 life altering moment. And like I always say in my speeches, that Rumi says the wound is where the light enters you, and that's the moment where I discovered that I have to do everything for me. And it was a cry from my body that I abused so much for so many years that I had to pay attention to myself and love myself. And so that was my life-changing moment. And I began to see that every negative thing, I, I, I'll say negative because I don't believe that there's any negative thing per se that happens to us, but everything that seems or has been perceived as negative, I began to see that all as a gift for myself and that it has it had helped me to become stronger and wiser and that I went through all that I had that I went through to be able to reach a higher version of myself so I can then use these experiences to help other people which is what I'm trying to do here today so hopefully this message is going to uh, help somebody be able to speak about their story or to let them know that there is a bigger, more amazing reason why we go through what we go through and everything is divinely guided. So nothing is falling apart. Everything is actually always falling together. We just need to consciously see it that way. So that's where I'm at in life at this moment. I'm gonna take a deep breath because in the like three minutes that you introduced yourself, you just blew me away. <laughs> and there was a lot in there. And so I'm feeling a lot of empathy and I wanna hold just a space and a moment to say, wow, what a beautiful story and all the things you went through. And just hold that space for a moment and just say, thank you for having the courage to share it. And that's why I was attracted to your energy when you gave your speech, because you gave a similar version in your Toastmasters speech, you know, in a very kind of like businessy, stuffy environment. And I was like, this is the person I want to talk to. But so I'm just going to break down kind of different parts of the story, because I think for people that are listening um, you said so many gold things, so many gold nuggets, so many beautiful nuggets, but I mean, there's so many, there's so many beautiful parts of your story, but I want to kind of try and break it down. So the first piece is you come to this country when you're 18. Mm -hmm. I, what I think is so cool and unique about your story is that you grew up obviously as an Indian woman, Muslim Indian woman in Africa, mm -hmm. in Kenya, correct? So you're in terms of conditioning and cultural beliefs and all that even before you got to the US, you were already, you know, having a very unique experience All right. in the US as an adult, like right when you're, you know, and at that time, your, your father passes, is that correct? Around when you're 18? Yeah, he passed three months before we came here. And it's so funny, because uh, the day of independence is when we landed here in 1998. So July 4th. And so it's, it's ironic, but you know, it's not really it was kind of independence from Kenya and the life there. Right. Oh. Right. And now you're looking for an independence with it. You're looking for the freedom. From myself, correct. Yes. Mm -hmm. So, okay. So then you're 18 and um, you come to this brand new country and your past molestation and issues of being abused are still within your body and they're still, they're still there. And um, your numbing or your way of dealing with the pain was to um, eat, correct? And, and that's when you gained, you said 350 pounds? That was my highest, yes. And when, what, how long ago was that? That was probably in 2006. That's when I graduated university. I was also like doing the double major and eating one time a day and not sleeping. And, you know, like self-care was completely oblivious to me. So I, it was about... 
2006 when I was at my highest weight, probably. Okay. So here you are, this beautiful light, this beautiful woman, this amazing person, but you were in so much pain. And yes. so between how did you, so then you found a personal trainer that helped you. How did you meet that person? And what was, what was that process like? Cause I feel like that's, I want your people to hear the part of your story where um, all your strength is within and everybody has the power to heal themselves and to rise and do all this on their own inner work, but we need the angels and we need the supporters along the way. Mm-hmm. And so it sounds like one of yours was the personal trainer that you met. What year was that? Yeah. She, and, um, I met her in 2011 and okay. so I, I worked, uh, I was at, I met her at Apple after I graduated from college. Okay. I got a job at Apple and, mm-hmm. um, in 2007 and then I met my trainer now best friend sister coach everything whatever a person can be she's just all for me so you know teachers teachers do come into our life when we are ready to receive them and at that moment I was completely lost and broken or, or as it is something that we would call ourselves now it's so weird because where I've reached in life right now I don't want to use the terms lost and broken because because I wasn't because that's just the exact place and where I needed to be to receive her yes and so if I if I say she is one of the people in my journey I don't want to say she's one of the people in my journey she's the only person in my journey which is why which is the reason I am here today and she doesn't like to take that credit because she doesn't understand why I say this about her. But yeah. um, when you're in a place where you don't believe in yourself at all, you have, mm-hmm. you're in this very reserved environment. You're taught that as an Indian Muslim woman, you shouldn't speak your mind. You should mm-hmm. give of yourself as much as you can give to the outside world. Cause that's what I grew up seeing of my mom. Right. And my aunts and uncles is that all the women just gave gave and gave mm-hmm. and when you're in that conditioned environment and then you've never been told that you're worthy you've never been told that your dreams are big you've just yeah. always been criticized for who you are and your mm-hmm. physical body by your family and they look down on you and they tell you to get to a certain weight or or the ones that are close to you they enable you by giving you your favorite things right and it's, it's really hard for people to give you tough love. So I was the youngest kid. And even though I had a very difficult childhood, I was also very enabled. Like my sisters did my homework for me. Mm-hmm. My dad gave me whatever I wanted. And all I had to do was throw a tantrum. And I, I did that a lot to get attention because I didn't right. get the attention I needed when I was a kid. Yeah. And so um, when I met her, one she gave me the tough love that i needed she told me to shut up get up and do it and i never i never i never experienced that before yeah and it was good it was good and you know when i met her like i was about 320 or 330 pounds at that time so i'd I'd lost a little bit but I'll tell you, this woman is so selfless and she has so much unconditional love to give, uh, regardless of what she's been through and, you know, what she's endured. Uh-huh. That 
I met her in the in November in the like smack in the middle of winter and she lived about 30 minutes away from me and she used to come to my house at 4 30 in the morning in the middle of winter to train me when there was still ice on the floor and at that moment I was like if this person is coming from her home to my home at 4 30 in the morning to train me uh-huh. there's no reason for me to not get up and do this like she wanted it so much more than I wanted it for myself. Yes. And then she, these are the, the biggest lessons that she taught me was I'm worthy. Mm-hmm. And I, I get to dream big. I get mm-hmm. to dream as big as I want to dream. And whatever dream I had, even dream bigger than that, because that's going to be possible for me. Yeah. Two, that giving up on myself was never an option. And she taught me how to say no. Mm-hmm. Because I was so bound by all the obligations in my life. And right. I had to be a certain way. I had to be the good Indian Muslim daughter. I had to do everything for all the people that were in my family. I had to follow my dad's footsteps and give, give, give. And my self-care was completely not there. But she taught me all these things. And as a result of learning all these things, I'm able to love, be, and give more. Because I was doing it. I was loving, being, and giving more from an empty cup Mm. and I always had resentment because I wasn't seen. So now that I'm doing it from a place after I've learned self-care and self-love, it's a completely different way of giving. Mm. So when the student is ready, the teacher appears and she did. So, yeah, yeah, so it's just been, uh, she's a part of my, she's, she's, a part of every story of mine and wouldn't be here without her and I, I I'm going to say that as many times as I can because I want her to keep hearing it because she feels I did all the work and she didn't do anything so <laughs> I just want her to know that it's because of her that I'm here well so, what's so beautiful about that story is you know as a teacher and an educator is that I always say like the best leaders and best teachers are really warm and really rigorous meaning that they care and love for you so deeply but at the same time they're never going to let you it, like they're, they're going to always hold you to high expectations. So I like to call it warm and rigorous, meaning that right. they're going to make you do things that you didn't think you could do. Right. She just, such made, a great story. yeah, she made me not make excuses for myself, which I did my whole life. Mm. And it was from a place of warm, unconditional love, but yes, it was like, I'm not going to listen to your excuses because my family I always did. Yeah. And it was conditional, right? Like your, your love. And this is what a lot of, you know, as a conscious parent and doing a lot of work with Dr. Shafali around parenting and a lot of the messages that we learned through the conscious parenting is that 99% of all parents parent and it's not their fault, just the way that they were parented usually, Mm -hmm. but it's basically conditional love. Like if you do this for me, I will love you. If you do this for me, I will love you. And then you grow up in that environment. And then when you become an adult, you're kind of expecting to always there's always condition for someone to love you, but it sounds like she showed you that there's a different way. Yeah. She showed me that there's a different way. Like, you know, especially being told that you're worthy and dream your biggest dream. I never thought I would be in front of people doing motivational speaking. Yeah. Like a person who like couldn't speak and is so conscious of how they look is on the stage with like two, 300 people speaking. Like I would never have dreamt that. I wouldn't, I didn't even ever dream that. Yes. So, but she told me just, it made me open to anything in life and and it's all coming to me, whatever I'm open to receiving. Yes. And have you experienced that with like, after you started, well, first of all, it sounds like you worked really hard 
And how long did it take you? How long did you work with her? And how did that kind of like change your, your weight and your mindset and everything? Oh gosh. So I worked with her from 2011, probably till 2014. Okay. So a few years, a few years. And, uh, in the interim of that, I had lots of ups and downs, but we started with like doing races, like five Ks and 10 Ks. And I never thought like, like I got to a point where I was 280 pounds and I was doing half marathons. And at that point I was an athlete because like Walking even half marathons at 280 pounds is really, really hard on your body. Okay, so years. Oh, years. And sorry, yeah. I was trying to look at the comments and I just totally screwed that up. Okay, go ahead. Uh -huh. <laughs> yep. So, you know, even walking like a, a marathon at 280 pounds or half a marathon is really, really difficult. That's really hard on your body. I had um, blisters and, you know, things that were really, that would really stall my journey. Right. But the fact that I finished two half marathons, I did like 22 races this one year. I, I don't even know how I did that, but because I, I still want to go back to doing that and I, I, I don't have the same, you know, discipline that I did when I was racing with her. But I finished a half marathon, my first one, when I was 280 pounds. Not only did I finish it, but I came third in my age group at 280 pounds. That's, that's ridiculous. Wow. I mean, like I was an athlete at 280 pounds and it's that, that really goes to show that like the visual perception we have of a person is so broken and screwed yeah. because mm -hmm. if you don't look like an athlete or look like a trainer or look like a fit yes. person, you are not, but you can be an extremely healthy person internally and be, be able to do more than like 150 pound person who is unhealthy on the inside. Absolutely. So, um, you know, like, I, I have all my medals and everything and, and I'm proud to call myself an athlete at that time. Yes. I have to get back there, but you know, that's <laughs> <a history. laughs> yeah. So I did see a lot of progress. I mean, she introduced me to boxing nice. and uh, she bought me, she bought me, uh, you know, um, I was always a Rocky fan, but, but I love the movies. So she bought me like a group on for primetime boxing and I had to go there at 5.30 in the morning and it was hard. It was so hard. I was the biggest person in the group and we had to do drills outside and I was always left behind and oh. I felt so self-conscious, but I loved every single minute of it. And and it it gave me, and then she, uh, she, she got me a DVD set of a Les Mills Combat, which is um, a mixed martial arts training. And to be able to work out, you have to find something that you love to do. Yeah. And for me, boxing, boxing and mixed martial arts was it because it was literally a fight for my life. Is that what I was, is that what I was doing? Yeah. And yeah. to this day, boxing is my favorite, favorite workout. And that's, that's a wonderful, beautiful thing that she introduced me to because I, I never want to not work out. And when I work out, I'm boxing. When in doubt, I go boxing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was also in, inspired to build a a little gym in my garage, which is, which is my little sanctuary during this quarantine. I'm so grateful that I have that. So I, yes. I, I still get to be part of a workout routine and, and, a, and a gym at home. So. And then I didn't even talk about this, but you're an artist. 
Mm -hmm. and you're an amazing artist and I know you have worked with kids, but my daughter's six and my daughter, Ella and Nafshin, when they came over, when Nafshin came over, they really connected and Nafshin walked her through some art activities and she's like, I want to see her. I want to see her surf like every day for like three weeks. She was been asking about you, <laughs> but tell us about a little bit about your art. And then um, I want to hear about that, but then I want to keep kind of de uh, deconstructing your story more. So, um, so my art is, it's not what I do, it's who I am. Yep. And uh, for, for artists to be able to express themselves through a form of uh, media and you know, two-dimensional work is, is a way that we relay our soul onto a canvas or even when taking a picture, I'm, I'm not taking a picture, I'm trying to see your soul on, 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 two, on a two-dimensional surface. Right. I'm trying to capture your soul and I'm trying to capture your essence, not your, 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 just your physical beauty. If, mm -hmm. I, if I capture your soul and your essence, your physical beauty is so much more eminent. Mm. So when, when I got diagnosed with cancer, I was diagnosed twice. The second time I was completely mortified because I thought that I, you know, they, when they diagnosed me, they told me, we don't really know how much more time you have left until we do surgery on you. Or we don't know like what stage you're at and mm -hmm. how much chemo you're going to need, this, that, or the other. And at that moment, when I was in bed, I was like, okay, I, because my surgery was in six weeks after that, I've, after that second diagnosis. And for the first two weeks, I made myself extremely sick every night. I would cry. So for two weeks, you didn't know what stage the cancer was? No. So when I was diagnosed the second time, my, they scheduled my surgery in six okay. weeks. So okay. for six weeks, I wasn't going to know what stage I was at until the surgery. For six weeks? For six weeks. Oh, geez. Okay. So then the first two weeks. Okay. Yeah, no, so no, the, first two, the first two weeks of that six weeks, I made myself extremely sick to my stomach. I cried every night and I thought that this is it. This is the end of my life. Yeah. I'm 36 years old. I'm going to go out. Like I have nothing to show off my life. I made no difference in anybody's life. I, I just came and I left and I like, I didn't do it. I didn't do anything in this world. And that night I told myself, okay, let's just say you have four weeks left. Is this how you're going to spend your four weeks? Or are you going to change that and just change your whole perception of it? And then at that moment, I was like, okay, I, I, don't, I don't know how this strength came to me. I don't know how I had this power, but it just came. It, it just came. And it really also goes to show that we are never actually really alone. We're, we're, we're never, never alone. There's something out there, big divine beyond us that is always with us, guiding us and taking care of us. Yes. So I got this strength and I'd never really connected to myself and my body in this spiritual way. Yeah. And since I had uterine cancer, I put my hand on my womb and I was like, you know what? You're going to be okay. We're going to make it through this. And I looked, I looked back at my life and I said, every difficulty that you've been through, you've come out of it and it's taken you to a better place. So this is not any, this is not going to be any different. So you are going to be okay. So every night I affirmed myself that way. I spoke to myself, I spoke to my body and I affirmed that you are, you are going to be okay. We're going to make it through this. And then I told myself that if you do, or when you do make it through this, I want you to, I want to use my art to change lives because uh -huh. that is the gift that I have is creativity and, and connection with people. Those are the two yes. things that, that I pride myself in is being creative and having an effortless connection with connecting with anybody that I come into contact yes. with. And the story of my daughter just really illustrates that because a six-year-old is this pure essence. 
and yeah. she connected with you through the art and then you know most people that come over she never talks about it again but again but with you she talked over so yes I agree and my experiences with you also would say yes yeah. you deeply connect with people and you're a beautiful artist thank you David so then you know at that time it came to me that it would be so amazing because I just thought about there's so many people in my life just that I know daily that have taken all their negative experiences and change them into positive experiences. And it would be a, such a beautiful way to celebrate them through an art form. And we often really celebrate our victory at the end of the struggle. We celebrate our graduation. We celebrate the medal that we get at the end of a marathon. We celebrate all these things that, you know, our victories at the end. But that entire journey, the entire struggle, that entire pain, we don't celebrate that. So I want to celebrate pain because that pain is the most beautiful thing. It has its own beauty. It has its own strength that it gives us. Gives us, And as a result of that pain, we emerge into this beautiful piece of art at the end. You know, yes. that canvas has to go through so much before it's complete. And yes. it's not ever complete. It's an evolving process, but there is a point where it's in its power. So what I call my project, it's called, I don't, I don't want to say project, but it's called transforming adversity into art. And um, I photograph people, I collect their stories. I go through an interview process with them for their whole story. And then we break down the story into different parts that they would want photographed. So I recreate their story in their current stage and age that they're in. Mm. And then I photograph the whole story. I make a video and then there's a painting that I make of them in their power at the end. And there's a book that they get with their story and their images. And I'm trying to formulate this whole into a big book with multiple stories. And I would eventually like to have an exhibit where I have the painting, their photographs, and the person there with each story. So that is, that is my process. And in addition to that, I do a six to eight week coaching for um, just personal growth and evolution in which I teach how to love yourself, how to let go, let go of expectations, how to let go of resentments, forgiveness, um, you know, really, really loving your body, speaking to your body, caring for your body, and working on, the, on yourselves from a place of love, not because you hate yourself, that you want to change yourself. You, you love yourself enough to give yourself the best. Yeah. And how, you, how do you want to wake up and feel every morning, living in gratitude, all, all these things. Yes. Just, being conscious is what I'm learning now, which is really helping me. So that's what I'm doing with my art and where what I'm what I've learned and how I've grown so far. Yeah. Tell me the Rumi quote you said before because I think feel like that. I wanna I wanna keep talking about that one. Which the wound one? The, the, light. the wound is where the light enters you. <sighs> the wound is where the light enters. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So your life story has so many places where the wounds is so I in the title I put your past doesn't define you because I was just quickly writing a title when we were going live. And I was like, mm, yeah. I actually think maybe that's too much of a um, limited way of looking at it because your yeah. past actually does define you. <laughs> and, it does you, know, you don't have to be attached to it. Yes, that's the nuance. Um, yeah, you don't have to be attached to it. You can, you can change your past. Mm -hmm. I know people say you can't, but you can change it. So it is, it is an, it would be seen as a very negative thing and a horrible thing if you tell somebody I've been molested for eight years as a kid. Mm -hmm. But I can now I can change and be like, I'm so grateful for that experience because I get to be who I am to be able to help another person. So I in fact did change that. Right. I didn't change exactly what happened to me. 
right. but I change the way that I let it show up in my life now. Right. And do you think if you hadn't had all these really um, painful experiences, you would be the person you are today? Probably not. I mean, it's made me so humble. You know, we can we can choose to be really bitter that that why me and why these experiences happened to me, or we can choose to be like, oh my God, I had all these experiences. One, because I was never alone. I was always being guided by this mm-hmm. divine force out there. I call it God. Mm-hmm. And um, he's always with me. He's always within me. And he is making me go through this for a bigger purpose. And it's so beautiful to find that purpose. Like if, yeah. I, get, if I get off of this call and I get one person reaching out to me and say, your story really helped. That's, that's enough for the rest of my life. <laughs> you know, yeah. it's, it's literally enough. Like that's how yeah. we have to see it. Yeah. Um, and you know, my biggest, my biggest um, fear when I was diagnosed with cancer for the second time was I'm not going to have anything to show of my life. Like I, I, I've made no difference. And now at this moment where I am, I, I don't feel like I've made as much difference as I want to, but I've started. So if something happened to me now, I wouldn't be devastated that I'm going out. Like I'm, if I die now, it wouldn't be like right. the worst thing in the world. Right. Right. Not, that I, not that I'm ready, but you know, <laughs> just saying, I'm just saying that I've started this, I've started this movement. Like I had the courage to go against, you know, all my cultural norms and restrictions right. and everything. And because, because the hunger inside me and the, the message inside me that I was getting was so strong that telling me, share your story because it's going to help so many people. Because this hasn't only happened to me, it's happened to multiple people that I know of. And um, if, if they are unable to speak, I would like to be the voice for them. Mm-hmm. So um, that's, I, I, that's just, I, I feel like if I started this momentum, then maybe other people will have the courage to speak about their experiences. Yeah. So you said that you feel like all your experiences helped you really define your purpose. So could you share, I think you shared it, but just specifically, like, what do you think your purpose is? My purpose is to share my story, share my message. And I feel help people be free from themselves. Like that is, um, you know, I want to, I want to heal people through art, which I would love to do, uh, you know, but the biggest purpose from that is ex- especially for me in the last three months, I've gone through this expansive transformation. Yes. And I feel like three months ago until now, I'm a different person. And you can attest to that because you saw me three months ago. And you, sure. so I had so many questions three months ago <laughs> and, and I have no questions anymore. And that's what they, that's what they say about, um, when you reach a state of peace and Zen within yourself. Yes, the last sound song. Have you yeah. heard that? I told you about that. Yeah. There's yeah, no more questions. Yeah, there's no more questions. Like you don't, when you reach that space of, uh, of Zen and peace within yourself, all your spiritual questions that you had don't get answered when you reach that space. You just stop yeah. having questions. You just right. stop having questions. And, you know, like it's so amazing not to have questions because you know that all is fine and all is in divine order. And it's, it's just exactly where we need to be at this given moment. And at this given moment here and now me and you, we have everything that we need. Everything that we could ever want and need is we have it. It's, it's good. Absolutely. So if I could teach people this freedom that I am feeling that, uh, that 
nothing is falling apart for you. Everything is always falling together and you're exactly where you need to be. Like you don't need to do more or do less or be more or be less or worry or fear or any of that. You, you just get to be free. Like you, got, you get to all the pain in your life, you get to just accept it and love it because it's exactly what needed to happen for you. Yeah. You can't sit and be like, oh, if I had done this this way. No, you did that exactly, exactly how you had to do it. Right. Right. Exactly. And yes. it all unfolds the way it should. Freedom, you know, I, because I've, I've been so much in my head about this and I've right. been sick. I've made myself sick to my stomach. Yes. With, with thoughts of, I wish I could have done things differently. Oh my yep. God, what's going to happen in the future? Like, like being free from that is, is such a beautiful thing. Yeah. And then I think, so we talked right before we went on that there's really the present moment right now. Then there's the past and there's the future. And the past is like reliving your shame and the future is always worrying and being in fear of the unknown. And the present moment is where you're most connected to the source or God or whatever you want to call it. Mm -hmm. And like the Tao says, once you name it, then it actually is no, now it's come into form, but regardless, (laughs) whatever you want to call it. And, and that's the present moment. And you and I have experienced that, but I would love to have people hear about the last three months because COVID really hit like quarantine, all that about four months ago. And you, I tell them the story about the dream job that you landed and how it all played out, right? Cause this is a beautiful story of how we think something's supposed to, anyway, just tell the story. <laughs> okay. So last year was a very difficult year for me. I went through just a lot of, a lot of ups and downs and I had to, um, without giving too much detail, I had to go through letting go of things and people in my life and, and, and stuff like that. And it was just very, very, very difficult for me. I was very much in my pain and in my past and like my business wasn't doing so great. And um, although I was giving it everything I had, and I just, uh, there was one defining moment for me where I went to this art retreat and I met this amazing artist there. He's an Iranian artist, artist his name is Rasuli. And, um, you know, he taught me a, a great big lesson. And he said that if you are using your art to be a job and give you money and income at this time, you are not going to enjoy it or do it from your soul. There'll be a time where, you know, your art is your, your 100% income. And then you'll be free because you won't have to, you won't have to struggle. But if you're struggling to get clients to do your art, then it's, it's not coming from soul. It's coming from need and necessity. And you cannot create freely as an artist if you're working from that space. And he said, and, and I never wanted to go get a job because I thought that I'm going to take away from my, I'm going to take away all the time that I need to put into my art and my business. Right. And I had already invested three years in my art and my business and I didn't want to get a job because I thought I failed at trying to make my art work. But then what he said made sense. He's like, if you have something that is just going to give, pay for your bills, then you can create freely and whatever you make from that is a, is a, mm-hmm. is a bonus. So I was like, yeah. that makes sense. And so my sister was here visiting from Kenya at the time. And when she was leaving, you know, I've always been fascinated by the airport. So I said, what if it, it would be cool if I got a job, like just checking people in and I would meet different people. Yeah. And I have a good friend of mine who is a flight attendant. And I said, Does, is Delta hiring for like check-ins and stuff? And she's like, why don't you apply to be a flight attendant? 
And I'm like, no, I don't want to do that. Like I felt first that I don't look physically look like a flight attendant, that you have to be a certain body type. And then I'm like, I don't want to be flying all over the place. And um, it's so, it's so funny because the year before, before last, I hadn't flown anywhere for 22 years mm-hmm. and I had to fly to Mexico for my nephew's wedding. And I was so afraid of flying. But once I sat in the plane and I flew, it was amazing. I was like, why haven't I been doing this for all this time? So then come the next year, now I'm in this place at the airport and my friend is like, applied to be a flight attendant. And I said, no, she's like, okay, just go fill out an application for Delta. So I went on Delta to see if they had any jobs for like being a check-in agent at, at an airport. And they didn't have anything. This was in the beginning of November. And so then I just filled out a talent application and I forgot about it. And in the meantime, I was just looking for all other kinds of jobs. And literally I was applying for jobs that I could do with my eyes closed. Like I can teach art with my eyes closed. I can teach photography with my eyes closed. I can be a receptionist with my eyes closed. Like I've done all these things, like customer service, like I have years of experience and I can't yeah. be rejected from all those jobs. <laughs> Thanks on December 24th. Uh, which is Christmas Eve, and I get an email from Delta saying, based on your talent application, we'd like for you to apply as a flight attendant. And I was like, I don't want to be a flight attendant. (laughs) (laughs) And so I I messaged my friend and she's like, just go through the process so you know what it's like. So I sent the application and they sent me uh, an interview request for a, a, a video interview where you have to record yourself, answer some questions and send it. And Delta is a very, very high legacy airline. So they have over 250,000 people that apply for this flight attendant job every year, but only 5,000 people are hired. Like it is a highly, highly, highly competitive job. And the people, yeah. who, people who get this job have already tried two or three times for, for the whole application process. The interview is a five interview process. So when you get the request to do the interview, you have to respond to it right away because otherwise they're not going to know if you're, they want to know that you're interested really right away. But I couldn't do the video interview because I got a cold and I lost my voice. So I sent the video interview about a week and a half later with a lot of, with a lot of glitches and stuff. And I was like, I'm not even going to get this. Sure enough, because I wasn't attached to this job, I was just letting things flow. Sure enough, the next day, they messaged me and they said, we loved your video interview. We'd like for you to go to the next level. And I was like, okay. And so each level kept so effortlessly progressing like this. And my my friend was like, I have friends who have done the video interview and have not heard for three months. And I was like, oh, okay. She's like, it's harder to get into Harvard. It's harder to get into Delta than it is to get into Harvard. And I'm like, okay. So all these processes with the interview started flowing so easily until I got the final interview to go to Atlanta, Georgia for the main face-to-face interview. This was an interview of 70 people. And out of the 70 people, only 12 of us got hired. At the How many? 70? Seven zero. Correct. Yeah. 12 out of 70. Okay. 12 out of 70 got hired at the spot and I was one of them. <laughs> this was completely- What month was this? January? This was, no, this was March. So I started the interview process in December. Okay. And in March is when I got to go to. Okay. Is when I like got early to go. March. I'm assuming. Before yeah, early March. It was fifth. Before March. everything closed. Yeah. Yeah, it was fifth March. Two days before my fortieth birthday, I got this amazing job. And you know, I've always wanted to travel the world. I thought that it would open up so many new opportunities for me. Everything that I had struggled with with the year before. I would put that behind me and I would go through training and, you know, I would just escape from it and I would like, you know, 
travel the world, maybe I'd get speaking opportunities, maybe I, I would meet other artists. I, so I was, this, yeah. this whole new world was going to open up for me. Yeah. But I had a little bit of like guilt. I had a little bit yeah. of a tinge of guilt. One, because I take care of my mom and I was like, am I neglecting my responsibility of my mom? And two, is am I going to be able to do art and do the work that I need to do to transform people's lives to art? And I was like, you know what, but maybe this is just for now. And then later I can go back to that. Yeah. Well, so uh, I got my job on March 5th. On March 7th was my 40th birthday, which I celebrated. And you were there. Thank you for coming. And then two days later on March 9th was the lockdown. And I was filling out all my paperwork and background check. And here I get this email saying that everything has been closed and shut down. And I'm not hiring anyone for the moment. So then I went into deep reflection <laughs> and I'm like, okay, what, what exactly is happening here? So one, I saw it as I get to spend all this amazing time with my mom now because we're forming a completely new, beautiful relationship. And, and she's home and I'm home and we are just in this amazing space together. Two is I have all the ample time I need to create whatever I want to create at this time. Yeah. Three, all the things, all the pain that I was facing from last year that I wanted to escape from in this job while going to training and traveling, I had to be alone and face it all inside by myself. God, the universe was like, nope, you're not escaping from this. You need to heal, figure out how to solve all these problems, go within on your own in quarantine by yourself. (laughs) You had no choice. Um, Yeah. So for two or three months, I was like crying, not knowing what's happening, going within. I I don't know, like what was happening, but am I grateful for this experience? Yes. And then I sit and wonder, why did I have to go through this whole interview process for nothing, but nothing is ever for nothing. I I feel like the only reason I had to go through that was because my last year was so difficult. God was like, here, please reinstill your confidence in yourself that you're literally capable of anything. Like this is an, this is unheard of. I would never, this is not something I would never do be a flight attendant, (laughs) but I got it in the first time of trying. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. However, it's not my purpose. This is my purpose. Yeah healing and helping people through art is my purpose, which is why so many other things are opening up for me to be able to do that right now. Just even this conversation. Yeah, for sure. And I, I really, as your witness, one of the witness, a witness of this process, it was so beautiful because when you first found out that you weren't going to, like, I, I think I texted you and said, Hey, are you, what's going on with Delta? And you're like, Oh, they're pushing it off till May or whatever. And we're not sure And then eventually you're like, I, I don't know what's going on, but like you were struggling. And then we were, you're like, I can't even talk to you for a while. I was like, okay, <laughs> do your thing. And you're like, I have to go within, I have to go within. And then it's like, literally you went into the cocoon and now you've come out the butterfly to, over, to use that overused term, but like our analogy. So, and then when I saw you for lunch, like two weeks ago, I was like, you're different. You realize that, right? Like mm-hmm. some part of you has like yeah. some part of your ego, some part of you has died. And now you're even more luminous than you were before. And I'm like, this is your mission. This is your purpose. And we need to get you online because I'm talking with all these people and you have to be one of them. And, but through the process, you had a lot, there were a lot of times where you could have just been like, oh my gosh, here I am. I'm broke. I don't have a job. I'm stuck in my house. I can't, my business is not running my, you know, whatever, like Mm -hmm. 
you really could have gone into this massive victim place because you had this amazing opportunity and it was taken away from you. And I feel like everything, um, a lot of our safety and security right now for everybody in some way, shape or form is being taken away. Mm-hmm. So um, you went through a process of thinking like, oh, this is the job for me. This is gonna help me be on my path. Mm-hmm. And then here you are just a couple months later being like, oh, that wasn't the job for me. Right. And now I'm even more emboldened to really speak and share my message to help as many people as possible. Right. Yeah. So I just, I feel like the more in touch I got with myself, the more, in, the more my senses are heightened, the more alert I am and the more conscious I am, the more like I know about where I'm headed and what's supposed to come. Like I'm so in touch with my divine self. Yes. That um, I, I don't need to ask any questions. I know I'm just being guided the path that I need to be guided on. And I need to just surrender and be open to that, whatever it is. Yeah. Like, like get rid of the resistance, whatever, whatever that resistance is. What, the wanting to know, the control, the what ifs. Just, I just feel like just take them and just throw them out and just be clear <laughs> and open, you know? Yes. Wow, that is really beautiful. So we're almost done, but I do want to just give you an opportunity to share you know, any tidbits or like one thing you want people to walk away from because you shared so much, so many great nuggets of wisdom and then just such a powerful story. And I agree that you should be telling this story to as many people as possible because if you're a sexual abuse survivor, if you're a cancer survivor, if you're a woman, a Muslim woman, I mean, I could, the list could go on and on. I just picked yeah, the first three that came like, issues, You know, if you're just yeah, struggling so in your many, yeah. So many, so many, so many people that, can see you as an inspiration, which is why I always tell you you're an inspiration. And so anyway, that's clear, but <laughs> what, what are some tidbits you might want to share with people just to close out? So, you know, I've, I've thought about that. And one thing, there's two things I'm going to say. One thing is like, it's really important for you to find the courage to be who you're truly meant to be, because otherwise you're going to be suffocating for your whole life. Like, find inside your soul what it is that makes your soul smile. You're going to know that. You've always known that. Yes. It's just that we're, we're afraid to pursue that. But yes. once you do that, you're going to be shining your light on everybody. Even, even It might be difficult for close people in your family at, at first, but once you find that light and you're doing what makes your soul sing, yes. you're going to be so much more better and effective for everybody else around you. Um, Wait, pause on that one. Pause on that one before you say the second one, because that was so big. Mm-hmm. So we all know what it is. Like for me, it's always been the teacher, the coach, you know, the person who brings people together, who creates the spaces, like what I'm doing right now. And you know that, you know that, know that, know that, know that, know that. And it's like truth with a capital T. And then you go through your life building up that false version of yourself, where there's just layers and layers and masks and veils to where you can't even remember and at some point, a lot of times when people turn 40, that's why it's interesting that you got the Delta job right, right around the time you turned 40. But around this, what Richard Rohr talks about is the second half of life. A lot of people start to have some version of an awakening of like, remember when I was five and I was just like divine, beautiful, creative being. And then 35 years later, I'm just kind of like going through the motions and playing small and doing everything for safety and everything's on the outside. And, and so what you're really saying is trust that knowing that deep knowing that you have about what your soul is really wanting. It's like why it's come here and why, why it wants to, you know, what its purpose is and all that. So just really live, live in that and breathe in that and be courageous. Like you have in 
following that path and leaving your job at Apple. And we didn't even talk about that part, but like, <laughs> leaving, leaving the corporate job and all that, yeah. you know, like doing like, just follow those breadcrumbs of the intuition and the soul's journey and make sure that you're being as true to your authentic self and your true nature as humanly possible. Like that's right. the one thing people can hear. Yeah. You can a lot of lives right and, there. And when you're not in alignment with that true self, or doing that true thing you're going you're always going to be miserable and you're going to know and it's going to show up in your body in different illnesses and different ways shape or form yes. and there's a part of you that's always going to be pushing you to get to that point so yes. just really be present and intuitive and listen to that part of yourself it will yes. it will guide you you just have to surrender and be open to the flow of that yes and the and the fact that you were forced to slow down because you had no other choice because of covid that's an opportunity that a lot of people are having right now you know, in California, they just closed everything up again. So <laughs> we're going to have to slow down again, you know, so this is the opportunity to really go within. And I think you, you really show, you gave a great example. You're an example of what that looks like when things are falling apart. Like you keep saying, they're not falling apart. They're falling together mm-hmm. to really just go deeper within. Yeah. We, find, we have all the answers there. We have like all yes. the answers there. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Now I can't wait for number two because number one was so great. <laughs> so number two, you know, I feel it's really important to find a spiritual teacher, especially where I'm at in life and and, in the last three months that I've gone through because um, uh, one, I started reading The Power of Now, which is, it really teaches you to be in the present moment. But as I was listening to The Power of Now, I came across uh, videos of Wayne Dyer. And uh, for me, I believe that he's my spiritual teacher. Like yes. it, it, all the spiritual teachers, Wayne Dyer, Alan Watts, Eckhart Tolle, you know, Deepak Chopra, all these people, uh, they all teach you the same thing. Yes. They just have their own way in which it teaches you. So timeless and, wisdom. Yeah. Yeah. And um, find someone that you resonate with because I listen mm-hmm. to her every day. And sometimes I listen to the same video three times or the same audio three times. Yes. And every time I've learned something new, it resonates deep in my soul in a different way. Yes. And, and, and the phenomenal part about this is that it's not things I didn't know. Like there are parts of this that I already knew. It's just the way in which he says it, this just goes deep inside. So really, yeah. really find a spiritual teacher or a resource that is inspiring you on a daily basis to yes. be aligned with yourself and your, your path. Cause every, anytime I feel unaligned or I start to feel the anxiety or the worry about the future or the, what if I could do with the past, I just put on his video and it's an, yes. immediate, it's an immediate shift. Yes. Because he just reminds you of like that nothing that you're, everything that you're feeling negatively is all here. Yes. Your soul knows that everything is fine. It wants nothing. It's just content at any given moment. So find that teacher or that resource that inspires you or helps you shift to your to your higher consciousness on, on a regular basis. Yeah, that is so beautiful and it's so true. And you and I have talked. I love that you love Wayne Dyer because he's really funny. <laughs> you and I both talk yeah, about I love Wayne Dyer because he has a sense of humor. Like, you know, all the other spiritual teachers, which are amazing, you know, like they don't have funny stories to share. <laughs> And like, I, I have a sense of humor. So like, it really, <laughs> it's sarcastic. And like, it plays into who I am as a person too. So I resonate with him really on, on a really deep level. No, I think that's and it's such great advice because all of them are taking the timeless wisdom and kind of translating it through their own direct experience. And the yeah. fact that, that you're, you know, and for me, it's sometimes it's a certain teacher. And then as I start to, you know, kind of 
go deeper, then I'm looking for a different different type of teacher. I did tell you though, when we went into the borders together, I was like, read the power of now. Any or you know, any Eckhart totally is like the place to start. Like just yeah. start there. Mm-hmm. And you know, he's very calm and kind of abstract and you know, but like it's really fun to find the people that you're like, oh, I can listen to that like a hundred times and it never gets old. And yeah. I mean, I, I've listened awesome. to some of his books. There's one called the Your Erroneous Zones and it's about all the things that we think are wrong about us, which none of them are. Right. And I have to listen to that so many times because I've been in so much judgment about myself. Yes. There's absolutely no reason for that. Yes. That's so cool. Okay. So, and then I would add the third, which is to clean up the space around you, meaning be around. And we started our, before we got on the live, we, we started this conversation, but just make sure that the people in your space are the right people. Mm-hmm. And there's a quote of like, you're the average of the five people you spend the most time with. Mm-hmm. So what I was telling you before we went on is if you're not just totally hundred percent, yes. And in flow with the people you're interacting with, then start to ask yourself if they're the right people. Like if there's any kind of resistance or if they're bringing out, you know, the whole thing where you're filling, it's a mirror and they're bringing, they're filling a hole for you and you're filling a hole for them. And then you're doing this dance and it's dysfunctional and it's codependent and all the other things that we all do, like start checking those relationships and asking yourself, are you with the right people? Because when you're with the right people, like you and I, when we're together, we're, we're growing and we're getting better every time we see each other and you're not bringing it down. Yeah, I feel like I have such a good reader about that. Like my my, I get signals from my body when I'm not in a space or, or around people that I I don't want to be around. I get like immediate signals that this is not going to be. Yeah. It's not going to be your soul. Yeah, and so, sometimes it's not as simple because they're your family or yeah. like yeah. people that you work to, with. <laughs> yeah, you have to learn to contain your energy and keep your own yes. energy at that point. Yes. Yeah. But at least do an analysis or like a check-in with yourself about like, who's my, who's my tribe, who's my team and make sure they're the right people that are really helping you grow. All right. Thank you, Afshin. You're amazing. I hope that many people see this and it will go on the YouTube channel. And I'm just so honored to have the time with you and for people to learn and be inspired by you. And I'm so, so excited that we got a chance to talk. Thank you so much, David, for having me. I really appreciate you and your friendship. Likewise, my friend. All right. My sister, my sister. We fight like brother and sister. I know. (laughs) (laughs) All right. See you later. Take care. Bye. Bye. Thank you for tuning into this episode. Please remember to rate and review A Conscious Way Forward wherever you listen to your podcasts. You can also join our Conscious Education community on Facebook. And as you go through your day, consider this question. Which wounds from your own life have created an entry point for your brightest light to shine through. Thank you so much for listening.